audio. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me is Dr. Stephen Mazur, board-certified orthopedic surgeon specializing in surgery of the hand, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about here, two specific things uh, for this for this podcast. You also serve as vice president and medical director of Monument Health Orthopedic and Specialty Hospital, too. So welcome to the show, doctor. I, I, knew, that, uh, I knew that you looked familiar um, when, when, you, when you showed up this morning. Uh, and I had to ask Janessa, I'm like, well, where do I know him from? Where do... She's like, well, when you got your, your diploma from the hospital, he was here. <laughs> That's right. So you were, uh, yes, you were one of the select few that saw me receive that award. <laughs> Gra- uh, very glad to have you here, doctor. And uh, we're going to talk about a couple of specific things uh, for this podcast. And I will, um, I'll, I'll kind of sheepishly admit that when I saw that we were going to talk about carpal tunnel syndrome, um, I kind of thought that was a made-up thing. I thought a lot of people use that as an excuse to not work anymore. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Well, <laughs> it is a real thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, it was described more than 100 years ago. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, carpal tunnel is probably the most common hand problem that's out there. Uh, very real. Um, one of the misconceptions is whether it's caused by computers, because it's probably right. not. Okay. Okay. Uh, but basically what it is, is the classic is wake up in the middle of the night and your hand is sleepy. So you wake up and your hand hurts and it's numb and you kind of shake it out to feel better. Okay. Right. And that's carpal tunnel syndrome. Okay. It can be caused by a number of different things. Is, so it's, it's not specifically to a, just a certain uh, motion that you make all the time or uh, related to an occupation? It can, it can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody, yeah. Okay. And it can happen at virtually any age, although you know, it would be really uncommon below your 20s, let's say. But certainly as you get older, it becomes more common. So then what are, the, what are, the, what are some of the signs? You said waking up a numbness. Is that, is that the typical sign for this sort of thing, or, or are there others people could recognize throughout the day? It is. It is. Sometimes it's just the hand hurts. Okay. Um, now, but, when we say hand hurts, are we talking up into the fingers, the palm, the wrist? Where, where is that pain coming from? Sure. So classically what happens is somebody will come in and they'll say, my hand hurts. I get numbness and tingling in my fingers, specifically these fingers, thumb, index, middle, and about half of your ring finger. Wakes me up in the middle of the night and I shake my hand to make it feel better. Why, why not the pinky? So... Let me, can I go over the anatomy? Yes, absolutely. I would love to know that for sure. So the way we're built is we have a couple of nerves that, that go into the hand. All of our nerves start up in the neck. Okay. They come down through the shoulder, through the elbow, and, into, and through the wrist into the fingers. Okay. And they can really be pinched anywhere along that. Okay. Carpal tunnel is a compression or pinching, if you would, of what's called the median nerve in the wrist. Okay. Now... The wrist is built that you have bones on the sides, you have bones on the back, and you have a ligament across the top. We call that the transverse carpal ligament. Okay. Okay. Um, And then that forms a tunnel. Through the tunnel go the tendons that bend all of your fingers, okay, and the nerve called the median nerve, okay? Now, the median nerve gives feeling to the thumb, 
the index, the middle, and about half of the ring finger. Okay. We have another nerve that's usually pinched behind the elbow called the ulnar nerve, and that goes and gives feeling to the other side of the ring finger. Right. And the small finger. Okay. okay. And then we have the radial nerve, which gives feeling to the back of the hand. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot that can go wrong. <laughs> there is. There is. So what happens is through that tunnel, the nerve gets pinched. Okay. And if you think about it, that tunnel is a fixed space. Remember, bones all around, ligament in the top, fixed space. Through the tunnel is going the tendons and the nerve. So if the tendons become swollen for whatever reason, the nerve gets pinched. And when the nerve gets pinched, you get numbness and tingling in the fingers. Okay. In fact, if it becomes bad enough, not only do you get numbness and tingling, but you get compression of what's called the motor part of the nerve. Okay, that's the part that sends a branch to the thumb muscle, and you can lose the ability to bring your thumb up if it becomes bad enough. Can there can the bone cause problems with that too, or is it just like swollen tendons is what generally causes the that's pain? A, that's a great question. Um, in some cases, the bone can cause a problem, okay. but you know, usually that's going to be a severe fracture or severe what we call dislocation, where the bones are out of place, because it'll put significant yeah. pressure on the nerve, and that's a different phenomenon. That that happens very what we call acutely or very quickly. Classically, carpal tunnel syndrome is something that happens very slowly over a period of time. It starts, you'll get numbness that may come and go, frequently just at night, or maybe when you're driving, or for, for some people it's taking care of their hair, anytime they're keeping their hands elevated, okay? So what, what causes those nerves or those, those tendons to swell? Sure. Just... So sometimes it just happens. Okay. Most of the time there's no good reason, all right? Having said that, there's some common conditions that people have that can contribute to it or increase the likelihood. One of the most common of those is diabetes, Okay. So if you're diabetic, you tend to get swelling of the lining of the tendons, okay, and that'll put pressure on the nerve. If you have a condition that we call rheumatoid arthritis, mm -hmm. which is a, a, an inflammatory condition that causes swelling of tendons and swelling of the joint linings, that'll put pressure on the nerve. And then some common medical conditions like thyroid disease. It's also more common in pregnant patients. So then when should, when should you, you've kind of explained what you're going to feel, but then can some people just live with it, or should you should you go try to seek treatment for it if you're feeling it? Sure. So if it doesn't bother you too much, and it's numbness that comes and goes, okay. what I tell people is you can feel free to ignore that as long as you want, as long as you're not too uncomfortable. What tends to happen is it wakes people up at night, and they become very uncomfortable, and so they want to seek treatment. But if it's not so bad and you want to ignore that, you can. What you don't want to ignore is numbness that's constant or all the time, okay? Think of it this way. The, I like the garden hose analogy. Right. Okay. If the truck is on the garden hose for a short period of time and you move the truck, the water flows again. If the truck's been on the garden hose for a long time and you move the truck, that water's not getting through. Okay. Think of that way with the nerve. If it comes and goes, yeah, that's fine. The nerve works well. But if there's pressure on it for a long period of time and the numbness doesn't go away, and I don't mean for like an hour or two hours right. or even a couple of days maybe, but if it's a week or a month, you know, the longer that is, the less likely it is to recover when you take the pressure off of the nerve. Okay. So you're telling people that if you can live with it, you can live with it. Um, but as then long as the numbness comes as and long goes. as it comes and goes. What uh, then what are the options? What are the what are the options that they have when they come in to see you then? What what where do you start? Sure, sure. So the first thing you can do is before you ever come in to see me, 
So if you start to notice this, it's waking you up at night, you're shaking your hand to make it feel better, um, go to the drugstore of your choice and get a splint, okay? It's a splint that'll have either a piece of metal or a plastic on the, on the front, what we call the volar side of the hand, okay? And it usually has some straps, and you put it on, and you sleep with it. Don't wear it during the day. It hasn't really been shown to help. But you sleep with it at night. What happens is we all sleep with our wrists bent. We, we tend to curl up. Oh, okay? th- that was my question is why only at night is this the thing? And okay, so this yeah. is the theory. Okay. The theory is we sleep, you know, with our wrists bent and it puts more pressure on that nerve. Okay. We've compressed that tunnel. All right. And so when we splint it, we just hold it straight. Okay. And it increases the, the volume in the tunnel Got and it. it allows more room for the nerve. And the splint doesn't have to fit you perfectly. You don't need to go and get exactly the right one. Anything that's going to hold your wrist straight has a reasonable chance of helping. And for a lot of patients, that keeps them from waking up at night, and they just don't need to do anything more. And for some, they'll wear it for a few weeks or a month, and their symptoms will go away. Oh, so they, it can go away. I mean, there, can. there can be, I suppose, if the, the tendon, the swelling goes down or, or you just can. fixing the posture. Okay. And, and the other thing is, you know, for some people, they're really active. Like, um, you know, I used to practice on the East Coast. And uh, we, we, I remember one patient we have, and she was a clamor. Okay, and she used to go in and, and, and take the, you know, the clams out yeah. of the shells. Well, she did that enough, it would really bother. When she took a week off, she was fine. Okay, but as soon as she went back to clamming, her hand was killing her. Yeah. Uh, so is that, is that something that would, would you recommend for her, something like a sur- would surgery work best for her then to fix that? So if that, if that's the next step. It, 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 it's, it's one of these steps. OK. So, you know, the first thing you try is to splint at night. If there is a particular activity that seems to be contributing, you know, you can try to modify that activity. We see that particularly in the workplace. So let's say it's a butcher or somebody who's really doing heavy things. Right. You know, perhaps they can do it somewhat differently that puts a little less pressure on the nerve. And sometimes our therapy colleagues are really very good about teaching those sorts of things. So those are some things that people can do on their own. When they come to see me, um, if they haven't tried a splint, if they, if they haven't tried it, I'll suggest that they do. But if they've tried a splint or a splint doesn't work or the numbness is more significant than that, then what we'll usually do next is we usually get what we call a nerve study, okay, or an EMG. Mm-hmm. And that's a study that measures the speed of the nerve through that tunnel. Okay, And the nerve study is really good because it gives us a good idea as to how bad the pressure is on the nerve, and it makes sure that the problem is here in the wrist, and it's not coming from your neck, for example. Because if you have a pinched nerve in your neck, that may give you similar symptoms of numbness in your hand. So we, let's assume that when we've done a nerve study and it confirms a diagnosis of carpal tunnel syndrome. Okay? The next thing we do is we say, okay, what sort of other treatment should we consider? And there's really two things that, that have been shown to work. One is a cortisone shot and the other is an operation. Okay? So if a night splint doesn't work, we may try a cortisone shot in and around the wrist. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, what it does is it reduces the inflammation in and around the nerve and it improves the symptoms. And usually, particularly early on, that will help. Here's the but. In in approximately 80% of patients within one year, those symptoms will come back, okay? So 20% of patients may get long-term relief from a cortisone shot, but the majority of the time, the symptoms will come back. Might be months, 
again, within a year, most of the time, those symptoms have come back. And if that's not effective or if a patient doesn't choose to go that route, then we're going to go to an operation. Okay. Well, explain now how that operation works. And I would encourage people to, if you're curious about any of this, you, you can get you can get online to see the procedure done in a myriad of different ways. You can watch live versions of it, which I personally don't recommend, but they do make great <laughs> animated versions of this too. But it, it does give you I, I just I, I do like to, to tell people that listen now to, to, to search that out. If you're considering the surgery, watch it happen. You know, see that procedure that uh, hopefully you can explain here a little bit. Um, and you'll see that it's it, it really isn't that bad if you can stomach it. <laughs> but how does, a, how does a procedure like that work, doctor, when they're going in to have it done? Sure. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to comment, too, on okay. the not that bad part. <laughs> oh, all right. Because <laughs> you're, 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 you're right. You're right. <laughs> it, this is not open heart surgery. Right. Okay. Maybe what, that's a good way to What, what I tell it. patients is minor surgery is mm-hmm. surgery on somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's a great way to put so it. So if you can, you know, if you can get better without an operation, yeah. You're always better off. Right. Okay? Having said that, you're, you're absolutely right. Usually this goes very, very well, and the results tend to be very predictable mm-hmm. if the diagnosis is correct. Right. Okay. So let me go through with what's yeah. involved with surgery. So first off, it's an outpatient procedure. You know, you're not staying overnight in the hospital for this sort of thing. You know, the whole procedure, I ask for 45 minutes in the operating room. We put a tourniquet up in the arm, and usually I have that tourniquet down within about seven minutes. Wow. Okay? So it's reasonably quick. Okay? It takes a little longer by the time we get you ready and, you know, yep. sew, sew it up afterwards. So what we're doing is we'll put a little local anesthetic into the palm, right? And then we'll make an incision in the palm. And there's several different ways to do this. I do what we call an open carpal tunnel release. So it's an incision maybe a couple of centimeters long in the palm, Okay? And what we do is we then, remember, we have that tunnel with the ligament on top, right? And so we simply divide that ligament. The ligament gaps open, so there's more room for the nerve, and the ligament heals in that longer position. That was my question when I watched it, is splitting that ligament, and you don't put it back together. No, that's correct. So you're relieving the pressure. You're opening it up. Okay. And you can see the nerve. And in cases where, you know, it's more severe, that nerve will be really significantly red and inflamed looking, okay, or flattened sometimes. Right. Um, And so what we're doing is we're releasing the pressure, taking the pressure off of the nerve, okay? And and although the incisions here, the actual surgery goes up into the, the... distal or the, or the end of your forearm. Right. Okay. And so most of the great majority of the time we can do this under the skin. There are a couple of other techniques out there. There's some people who do this, what we call endoscopically, where they'll make a really small incision and use a camera. I like to actually see the nerve. I feel it's safer. Mm-hmm. The ones that do it endoscopically will tell you that it's just as safe. Sure. I, I like to look at the nerve and, and I just think it's a safer way to do it. But basically what we're doing is we're all doing the same thing. We're all opening that transverse carpal ligament that went across, allowing more room for the nerve. Right. Then we wash it out and we put some sutures in and a soft bandage. We used to use splints after surgery. They've really been shown not to help. And, and uh, so what I'll tell a patient is right after surgery, they can expect to use their hand. They'll eat. They'll get dressed. They'll use it. They won't go rock climbing on day one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, but they will use their hand. And usually what I'll do is I'll check in about a week, and in about two weeks I'll usually take their stitches out. Okay. Um, if the numbness comes and goes... All right, that's going to get better reasonably quickly. 
the night awakening, and the night awakening is what really brings people in. They're like, I wake up every night. This is driving me crazy. That goes away the day of surgery. So wow. I operate on you in the morning. You will sleep that night, and it won't wake you up in the middle of the yeah. night, which is really, really nice. That's uh, – as you're, as you're explaining how this works, too, I'm thinking that, you know, all of us – have cut our hands, right, in, a, in thousands of different ways. So that procedure doesn't seem like anything more than kind of a, you know, a, 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 a cut on your hand that now is going to make you feel better, right? I, I would say that's very, <laughs> that's, that's very true. Yeah. And, and I'm going to harp on that for a okay. second because although we've taken the pressure off the ligament, and that's why you go to the hand specialist to protect the nerve, okay, it doesn't feel much more than a cut afterwards. Sure. So you don't need narcotics. They right. haven't been shown to help. Combination of Tylenol, maybe some Advil or Aleve. I have many patients that take nothing after surgery, okay? Because it does. It's okay. I have a cut. Yeah. Feels pretty good. And it doesn't wake me up anymore. So that's great. That's if the numbness comes and goes. Mm -hmm. If the numbness is constant, that may not get better after surgery. Sure. Why do we do the surgery? We do it to keep it from getting worse. Okay, because a little bit of numbness isn't as bad as a lot of numbness, and to keep that thumb muscle working. Okay, once the thumb muscle's gone, it may not recover. Oh right? wow! So you so if a patient has constant numbness, this is an important part of the discussion beforehand. If you come to me and this is numb all the time, I'm going to say, Mark, don't expect the numbness to go away. It might right. six months or a year from now, you may find, hey, the feeling came back. Yeah, but don't expect that. The night awakening will go away, and we're going to keep it from getting worse, and we're going to make sure that that thumb muscle works for you because that's really important to the use of our hand. Okay. Excellent. This was, uh, again, when I started this, thought carpal tunnel was just an excuse people use to not type at work anymore. <laughs> but now learning, obviously, that it is, it, it, it is a condition that, yeah, I, you know, people suffer with, and, and there's no reason to at this point, right, because you've laid out some very – uh, easy ways that you can deal with it. And, you know, at the end, if you need surgery, then let's fix it. That, right? That's right. That's okay. right. Um, well, the, the, the next thing that we, I think we want to cover in this, in this podcast is something I had never heard about before. Um, is there a, can you tell, is there a, is there a medical term for this though? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> because I want you to tell me what that is before I tell you what it's commonly known as. So this is called flexor tenosynovitis. Trigger finger is a better way to go. It's perfect. <laughs> Much easier to say. No, I had never heard of this before. Um, so again, l looking into the, the procedure and how it works and what the thing is, um, explain it a little, doctor. What 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 people can get that's, that's known as trigger finger. Sure, sure. So trigger finger is simply catching of the finger, okay? The finger gets stuck, all right? And it pops open. Can it be and any it triggers. of your... It's any of your fingers. Any of your so fingers. it's not necessarily just your trigger <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> finger. It can be your thumb. It can be your middle finger. It can be your small finger. It can be any of your fingers. And and let me dissect for a moment the term flexor tenis synovitis, which you, which sure. you asked me. I'm not going to say it, because, but go ahead. Because that really explains what it is. All right. So so we have tendons, okay? And tendons go out and, they, and the tendons go into our fingers and they let us bend our fingers, okay? And the tendons go down into each finger, and they're held down to the bone by what we call pulleys. Okay, And, it and looks that's like, literally what it looks like. Literally what it looks yeah. like. Imagine a rope and a pulley. Yep. Okay? And the reason the pulleys are there is they hold the tendon close to the bone, and it makes the tendon more effective. Increases the mechanical advantage, same as any pulley would. Right. Okay? So you have the flexor tendon. Okay? Tenosynovium simply means the lining to the tendon. 
tino is tendon, synovium is the lining. Okay. Okay. So itis means inflamed. Mm-hmm. So tenosynovitis is inflamed tendon lining. So if the tendon gets a little inflamed, it gets bigger. Same as in carpal tunnel. Remember, the yep. tendons get bigger, and they won't fit under those pulleys. And so what happens classically is it gets a little swollen, and you go to bend your finger, and since it, the tendon got swollen, it won't fit under the pulley, okay? And it gets stuck, all right? And so what you do is you take your other hand, and you straighten it out, and you go, ow, that hurt, <laughs> because now it's gliding under the tendon, and every time you bend your finger, it catches on the leading edge of that pulley, Okay. What uh, what what type of can this again? Can this just happen to anybody, or are there are certain are there certain occupations, or are there certain things that hobbies that people have that can that lead to this, so or is we, it just again? Oh well, you're just unlucky. Your finger is uh, going to stay locked. Most of the time, it just happens. Really, it is okay. more common in those same things as the other as carpal tunnel is more common in diabetics, more common in patients who are pregnant. Okay. So it is very, very close to carpal tunnel. I and, mean, and it's, it's not at all uncommon that you'll see a patient with both. With both of them. Yeah. Okay. With both. Um, so, again, can you can you live with it if you don't want to seek treatment, or when should you start to seek? So if it's not too annoying, mm-hmm. and you can fully straighten your finger, you can ignore that as long as you want. Okay. Okay. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to ignore it if the finger stays bent because you can't get it straight enough. Because the longer that finger stays bent without you straightening it, the more likely that is to become permanent. The joint so it can it can stiff. become permanent then. It, yeah, it, All come, right. it can. But but you know it, it, most patients are not going to wait that long. Right. Okay. And most of the time they're just too annoyed by it. Okay. So there's obviously, I'm assuming, some non-surgical treatments, and then we'll talk about the surgical part of it. What would be non-surgical for So what many patients will try is they'll just wear a splint at night to try and hold it straight. It really hasn't been shown to get rid of the problem. Mm -hmm. So I don't really encourage that, but but a lot of patients will come in and say, hey, I've got this thing fixed. I wear my popsicle stick on the back of this, (laughs) okay, and my finger doesn't bend. But, you know, as soon as I take the popsicle stick off, it it catches again. So that's not really working for me. And again, it it must be be painful. (laughs) too though it, in, in this one seems in, to be. in many cases yeah. it is okay yeah. not always but all right in many cases so so no go ahead so they so the splint doesn't work and anti-inflammatory medicine naproxen probably doesn't work either okay okay so what we usually do when you come to see us is we're usually going to give you a cortisone shot all right all right we, we inject right at the area where it's sore ow that hurts it's a few seconds for a day or so after that, it may get a little bit more sore and may even lock a little more, just some inflammation from the shot. But then it starts to glide better. The pain is almost always improved by that, and the triggering is improved the great majority of the time. It takes a couple of weeks until you get the maximum effect, so I'll usually see somebody back in a couple of weeks. But I'll say to you, you know what, if it's better, just call us up and tell us you're better. You don't need to come back and right. show me that it's better. Sure. Okay. So a surgical option then. Again, um, it seemed watching uh, the videos on it that it's it's uh, it's a similar, very very hardly invasive procedure. Really, again, a cut in your hand that you guys can go in and, and fix that 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 uh, those pulleys in that tendon. But how does it work when you're in there uh, under the knife, so to speak? Exactly, exactly. And 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 the injection, you know, the the symptoms may come back after mm-hmm. an injection, and so there are times that we do an operation for this or surgery, if you would. So again, local anesthesia, some sedation, 
what we do is we'll make an incision, we move the nerves to the side, and we open up that first pulley. Now, you're generally awake for this surgery, mm-hmm. so we, we sedate you a little so you're comfortable, okay, but you're generally awake. And the reason for that is I want you to move your finger after I've released that first pulley. Right. You still have all the other pulleys that hold the tendon out of the bone. So you don't really lose any function from opening up that first pulley where it catches. But in rare cases, that won't do the trick, and I'll have to make a longer incision or remove part of or one of the two tendons in your finger. Okay. okay. The great majority of the time, however, I open up that first pulley. You make a full fist. It doesn't catch anymore. We wash it out, put a couple of sutures in. And then you're ready to go home and exactly actually exactly. use it as a trigger and, finger. And use it maybe. again, and, and that's fine. <laughs> and uh, and the likelihood of it coming back is really pretty small. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's that's great yeah. to hear. Um, well, these uh, yeah these I I love these the the podcasts that we've done here that have the solutions that you're like this is how we fix it this is how it's taken care of and uh learning that there's such a thing as a trigger finger <laughs> which i listening to this i hope i hope i never get either one i've been fortunate where that's not a it's not a thing but then uh, my mind goes to well geez at night i should just sleep with splints on both hands make sure my fingers are stretched out. only if it bothers you <laughs> all right well uh dr mazer board certified orthopedic surgeon specializing in the surgery of the hands uh, thank you very much for coming in and talking. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Mark, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Home Slice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquis, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.